Staying Alive in Paragliding, a podcast series with your host, Steph Juncker from Cape Town, South Africa, the owner of Parapax Tandem Paragliding and a competition pilot of 23 years. Real podcasts for real pilots to learn from, to laugh at, and to enjoy the funny and crazy stories that go with it. Our next superstar on this podcast series is a super friend of mine. We are friends for quite a long time now, actually. I think nearly 10 years. And I respect, I respect and admire this young man uh, really very, very much. He's got huge kahunas. How I watch him swooping in landing with a speed glider is just unreal. Daniel Kofler started flying in 1999. Never really flown in uh, uh, cross-country competitions because his interest went towards much more speed much more big ball stuff and he's going to tell us all about it in a very calm way because he always does and he's fantastic he's funny and he's a family man he has he says it's really hectic at the moment with two kids he's going to tell us all about that he has a wonderful wife and he lives in Lienz this is a capital city of Osttirol or East Tyrol in Austria where the Dolomiten man also happens he's going to tell us all about that stuff hi Daniel welcome on the podcast how are you doing today I'm fine. Nice. Nice to hear you. How are your family? You have four siblings and your parents. Tell me. Sorry. Yes, my dad one had a birthday today, so it was quite funny. What's it like to be paragliding, quite extreme paragliding, and having two kids? Do you find Daniel straight away, if I can ask you a straight, a straight heart, heart question, because we know each other well, is it, uh, do you feel your the balls have gotten a bit smaller? Do you feel you, you don't take so many risks anymore? Or has that not changed? Mm, no, you know, if you do fly a lot, uh, you don't feel you do, you have a big risk, you know. It always depends on that. When I don't have a time to train, then then it's getting, I feel it's getting more dangerous and I have to slow down. But when I have all my, my training, then I think I don't feel in, 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 a, in a big risk. No problem. And you love it. What drives you to go speed uh, riding? I mean, you, you will go speed riding five times in a day. You will just be in the lift, take your glider, go up. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's easier. In, in the end, uh, I have just uh, five minutes to the cable car, and then I have uh, 1,200 meters to burn. Um, there are a lot of good places around Allianz uh, for speed riding. Hike and fly speed riding, or you can even go with cable car. Do proximity on, on uh, green slopes down in the summer. That's actually something uh, super trendy and nice. Uh, one of my biggest uh, passions right now to go up and to go super close to the, to the slope down down the valley. You, I think uh, from Zetterstel, normally with, Braguera, with the tandem, you go 20 minutes and with the speed wing, it's not even three minutes. So you can imagine to, to race down with 100 Ks, around 100 Ks and swoop and go up again, then do some tandems. You and Klaus and a few other tandem pilots, there's quite a tandem following in Lienz. It's a very, very cool city. If you guys want to see an Austrian city that's actually, even believe it or not, more affordable than you will find around Austria, then uh, it's really, really a nice place. Um, even in Osteo, they have a one-week uh, pass. I'm sometimes a bit cheeky and uh, suggest that friends use it for the lifts uh, with a paraglider but it costs something like 60 euros for a week and you can go up every single lift once every single day, which is a super, super deal. And I love Lienz. I love the Dolomitten man, all that craziness. 
there's also a few crazy people in Austria, you know. <laughs> I know people in your valley that now that they are divorced, they are happy they can be brother and sister again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, more more up in the valley. Lienz is uh, it's it's down, you know. It's a city. It's not that bad, but we have some some valleys. <laughs> Something like that is possible for sure. <laughs> Uh, when I worked in the Stubai Valley, then they used to say, oh, the deeper you go in the Stubai Valley, wow, uh, exactly. the more the gene pool is getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> At the end, it's a small uh, Waschbecken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So wonderful to have you on the podcast. I mean, uh, so you've been flying since 1999. You've been um, doing speed riding projects. You've been doing competitions in speed riding. Since 2007, you've been into developing speed riders for swing. Um, you've been doing a specific model called the Mirage. Tell us about what you do. Tell us about, yeah, give, give me a story there, Daniel. You know, uh, years ago, I started the speech writing with, the, with Jin. And, uh, you know, it was just the beginning of speech writing. And the wings was, the performance of the wings were really poor, you know. The next step is uh, to have a, a wing with all the, the behavior you want, you know, and uh, then we ask us as the screen to, to uh, bring a wing, to make make a concept of the wing, they helped uh, us out. And then we started uh, with a team and it was 2007. And uh, the first wing was the Spitfire. Uh, the, the first wing was the Savage. It was not not that bad, but uh, then we, we brought the, the Spitfire and that was actually a quite, it was like a revolution on the market. Now, I've seen you, you said to me, you started with like 13 square meter gliders. And I have seen, uh, you've sent me pictures and video of you soaring in the late afternoon or sunset or whenever in the, in the high snow mountains at 3,000 meters altitude with a nine square meter glider. What the hell is that feeling like? What's the speed like? And is it, is it bloody scary? Actually, that's a, one of the best spots for soaring uh, is the Mertola Glacier. This, that's a glacier nearby. Uh, and it's around 2,000, uh, 3,100 meters. Uh, when there is southwest, strong southwest, we, we talk about uh, 50 to 80 k's, then it's perfect for soaring, kiting, soaring, and speed riding. So when you go lower, you can do some speed riding and, and kiting. And when you go, go up uh, near, near to the ridge, then you can, store, so, can start soaring. But you have to have uh, at least 60 k's. And uh, the wing size, is uh, not nine is a little bit smaller best with seven or eight and i had my longest time soaring <laughs> was with a seven square meter wing well i think it was three hours and it's just about it's it's quite cold there so after two hours or three hours kiting and soaring you you're super uh, you know you can imagine cold yeah cold and diet you can't have the leather gloves with the sheepskin inside uh, that uh, Hans-Peter Eller gave me in 1999 when I had my first tandem job in minus 15 degrees. No, yeah. you don't last a long time. Yeah? No way, yeah. You know, we have heated uh, uh, gloves and, and uh, good, uh, good clothes for, uh, that you can... Like you're storing a bit of Bargata if you go high up or you go for cross-country in wintertime. Yeah, I mean, without the heated gloves. Now, when you fly a seven square meter glider in 60 k's an hour on the mountain, let me ask you this. You know me, you know how my flying experience and everything. Could I come and take a 10 square meter glider and fly a bit lower down where it's a bit, little bit less in the Venturi and less strong? Would that be like, or would I need weeks and weeks of training to do that, Daniel? 
No, you need some 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 flights. We had some pilots. They they said, yeah, "I'm a good paragliding." I go up to the Meltella, to the glacier, and try kiting and soaring. Uh, but the problem is, uh, you have skis and you have a wing, and uh, even a small wing in in winds like 60 k's is super difficult to handle. You know, can imagine you have the skis and you bring up the wing and the boom and you you start kite or you go prone backwards and the wing is spinning. So uh, you have to have some experience, and when you when you're good in ground handling, it's, it gets easier. And when you're a good skier, even more easy. But you have to have at least a couple of flights with the speed wing that you how to know to 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 fly with to fly it. You know you have the skis, and you get caught. Lines get caught by skis or in your binding, and the the wings start to spin. And sometimes you have to break up and go down with skis and prepare your wing again and go up with the with the lift and dry it again. It's it's also it happens uh, all the time. Also sometimes when you when you have a bad takeoff or you have to start again, you know, in strong, strong wind. It sounds bloody scary to me, but uh, it, it does sound very exciting. So maybe one day I will come and visit more often in Austria and I come and do this yes. with you. It sounds fantastic. I mean, it sounds really, really a nice thing to do in the winter months when you've had enough of skiing because I'm bored very quickly. I like to ski and snowboard and I like to alternate one day. I don't understand how people for weeks and weeks and weeks, okay, when you start going powder and off, uh, and off pieces, I understand. But now you are doing something that's much, much more. How have speed riding gliders developed in the last years, Daniel? Have they changed a lot? I mean, do you see a big evolution? Yeah, there is a big evolution. Uh, it, it began all with uh, speed riding, actually. The French people started uh, the sport in speed riding. They all, most of these French guys are very good uh, free riders and, and skydivers. So they started to launch very small skydiving wings uh, with skis for actually free riding and then take off and fly to another good spot and ride again. That was actually the idea of, of speed riding. And then uh, some guys, it was, I think it was around, it was 2006 and 2007. Also, we did, uh, you know, our snow is not the same like in, in France. And we had some winters without any snow or not, not good snow. So we, we started uh, to take off the wings uh, without skis. And you can imagine, you know, this time it was not, uh, if you flew like a 16, it was small, you know. And those wings are like in December, 10 square meters. And it was quite an uh, adventure to, to launch a wing. And I, I remember my first takeoff. It was like a, a quite windy at Zetterfeld, a soaring wind. So I was playing with the wing and then uh, I, I had uh, become airborne like 10 meters. And then uh, I was just thinking in that minute, okay, let go. And I flew down uh, on the whole way. I was thinking, okay, that's super nice uh, with that wing to fly, to fly like, like with skis, without skis. But I was thinking, and now how to land? <laughs> no. But at the end, it was super easy uh, to swoop like with skis. And first, uh, the, uh, the first landings, uh, we fall down, but then we just uh, get used to it. Then we started speed flying, and sometimes uh, there was good snow. And we just go went went flying without skis because of the fun, you know. And for the French guys, it was like uh, crazy to go without skis, you know. They always told us uh, speed riding is with skis. There is no speed riding without skis. So that was uh, quite funny. 
at this time. It was a new sport for a new sport, you know. It's separated from speech writing. This is a fantastic story. I mean, you're giving me a little history lesson in speed riding, which is super interesting, Daniel. I think it's uh, really, really cool. I mean, so the French, in, in which kind of year was that, that the French said, uh, forget it, you can't do it without skis? Yeah, you know, they don't say uh, you can't do it without skis, but it was, speech riding is with skis. And actually, it was an idea of free riding with a wing and go to another place, you know. And it's it's like that. But that, that was the time where speech riding, separ speed flying separated or Flying was invented and it separated a little bit more from speech riding. Mini wing flying needed like this kind of a speed flying you know, with super small wings. I think Dudek was uh, also a company who built small wings and a little cloud started at this time with small wings. So it was quite funny. But those uh, wings are all like B-convex concept, power getting concepts, uh, concepts and speed flyer are a little bit different, you know. The idea of uh, a speech flyer is uh, to stay close to the ground or the possibility to have stay close to the ground and do some kind of proxi proximity flying, but not just guiding, you know. All right. So now you've spoken of three three kinds of flying. And and for everybody, I would like you to just clear it up uh, clearly. The little glider flying like the little clouds, that's like a paraglider that you're flying, that you're coming down. And you've got speed riding and then you've got speed flying. Just tell me the difference between those two, how they're defined and how they differ from one another. I mean, you're speaking of a world that's a little bit strange for me. Yeah, you know, speech writing, you need to have a wing uh, who is follow you on skis. So that means when you go into a compression, the wing, you, you have to have the, the possibility to uh, hold the wing open. Yeah, so that's sometimes uh, if you go with a little cloud, a small little cloud, a big convex concept, like a bar getting uh, canopy, it's difficult to hold the wing open. And a speed rider has a very, very big, uh, easy, it's a super easy wing, actually. And it stays open like a A wing, you know, E and A wing, kind mm -hmm. of that. The idea of that is to ride, and if you need to fly, to fly. And a speed flyer is something mm -hmm. in between mini wing and speed rider. So uh, it's a wing, you know, if you, if you go with, you go oh, a yeah. foot launch, if you do a foot launch, yeah, then we started uh, speed flying with speed riding wings, and the performance was very bad. Something good for speed riding, but in speed flying, you need a little bit more performance, but still the possibility uh, to stay, uh, to have the possibility to stay underground or close to the ground. The mini wing is like a wing for hike and fly and stuff. It has more performance, but you don't have the possibility with open dreams to go close. You can do it, but it's still too much performance for speed flying. So some companies try to, to build like a speed flying wing uh, with a mini wing paragliding concept, but it's not that uh, that fun to fly like a, a pure speed flyer. You're actually very serious today, but you're a very funny guy. I want you to tell me <laughs> some funny story of paragliding or some mad thing that you've seen in speed riding or uh, somewhere like Dolomitten Man or some kind of event. You were telling, you were reminding me how funny Dolomitten Man is, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Dolomit Man is not funny, but the party afterwards is funny. But uh, we do always the show before with Speedflyers and Akko. Everybody mm -hmm. is uh, doing the Dolomit Man just for the party afterwards, you know. <laughs> you know the, the party, yeah. remember? Yeah. On stage, naked, doing the lion, remember? <laughs> I remember once I misbehaved at a party that I really, I didn't take my clothes off, surely. <laughs> yeah, at the, at the bar, at the pub. Maybe we can talk about this afterwards. It's quite funny, you know, Lienz is 
like uh, <laughs> I'm remembering this night. <laughs> Did I really get naked on the stage in front of everybody? Really? Yeah, nearly, nearly naked. Anyway, enough to be shocked. Something yeah, was like hiding it. behind the back of the lion. Yeah. yeah. All right. Dolomiten Man is a big event. It existed for more than 30 years. Uh, we both are very good friends with head instructor at Blue Sky Paragliding in Cilian, just down the road. A tandem place where I worked for about seven years as a tandem pilot and still very good friends of mine. I've brought this Blue Sky group several times to South Africa. Wonderful people, really, really nice place to go and fly and brilliant flying sites around them. That whole area of, uh, of Ostia, all the people are so wonderful. You can still find 20 euro rooms out of season. And uh, um, actually, uh, eating out of the supermarkets, you can eat very, very cheaply and buy your own beer out of the supermarkets on the grass. Um, yeah, please, Daniel, say something. You know, this is a, especially Lienze is a perfect place for if you do uh, if you want to do uh, cross country or you go for speed flying or hike and fly. It's one of the best areas to do hike and fly, like in Dolomites, Dolomites and you're close by the South Tyrol, where even better, more beautiful places are for for hike and fly. Uh, all the, the big triangles, FAE triangles, have flown uh, around here. And as, as you said, uh, it's quite cheap, actually. The season passed here in Lienz, I think, for Zetterfeld. You have two cables. Uh, one is Hochstein and one is Zetterfeld. It's just 90 euros, between 90 and 100 euros it's for a whole summer season. You know, you can f go flying as much as you want. You know, that's something very nice. That is a nice, small community. You know, I, I keep forgetting how really affordably people can travel in Ostihol and to, to come to Lienz, uh, Daniel is always there. Uh, you guys, you can meet with them. They're going tandem flying. You go with them. That's not, you don't have to feel out of the way. These guys are super, super nice for anybody to give them a call and say, hey, how's it going? I'm here in the area to fly. And let me tell you, you will not be disappointed by the flying there. Um, what kind of huge big triangles are made around there, Daniel? Uh, the cross-country type guys, it's super easy. I mean, Greifenberg in itself is a highway where you can fly uh, let's say what 30 kilometers one way 30 kilometers the other way or a really easy triangle of 110 or 115 kilometers which i did last season and my reserve fell out oh really tell us more about Lien. why people should come there it's a perfect place kind of in the center for uh, for some very nice uh, things to do so you go for three hours then you're in venice you go in three hours to, to munich in flying you can go to south Europe, to all the hotspots in in post quantity the, the cross-country takeoffs like Grente or Brunek for normal flying or for speed flying. There is the nice proxy line. You go down the Grand Platz, uh, uh, the, I think it's 1,200 meters. You can go fly proxy with a speed wing or you can go to Meduna and to Soaring. You know, very nice place just as a headquarter, as a base camp. Base camp is a better, better word. Make your base camp there and you can do travel around Lyons or fly in Lyons, whatever. And of course, uh, oh, sorry, the, um, the spring months can be a little bit tricky, May, June. Uh, you can have really nice flying in February, like you've just had a spate of brilliant weather for flying. But of course, it's locked down. So you can have um, uh, August can be an amazing month where you can fly 20 days out of 30, like really nice. Grenta that he was speaking about is where a lot of the XC contest uh, big, big flights are done from. It's really close by. So within an hour's drive of Lienz, you can be down towards Bassano at, that uh, Daniel is speaking about. You can go to any one of sites. You can go to the north side of the Alps because, in fact, from Lienz, you go through a tunnel um, to the north side of the Alps in the shortest, shortest time. 
you can fly much higher, you can fly, uh, you can you can really have a lot of possibilities. Tell me more, Daniel. You can go to Pinsko, uh, you know, Pinsko is what, it's a very nice uh, flying place. Uh, you can go to, I don't know, uh, I don't know, Kitzbühel, it's, uh, I think it's one hour to Kitzbühel or Innsbruck or Stubai. Stubai Valley is a little bit further. You go for three hours, not two and a half hours, also not that bad. But uh, I think the best places on the Southern Alps uh, is uh, like South Tyrol, the Adolte Grande or Greifenburg is also, or you go to Meduno. It's uh, many, many possibilities for, for flying and hike and fly and speed flying. And Akro, also some very good lakes nearby to fly Akro. It's a good place for, for it's like- a, Yeah, a, that's right. Can be like uh, Hawaii, you know, for, for paragliding. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, uh, um, a very, very overlooked. A lot of people think Lienz is some uh, kind of not happening place, but when they arrive, then they really get surprised. On the east side, on the east slopes, the wind, the sun is shining up in the early mornings in summer. Um, by nine o'clock, you are thermaling nicely up already, and uh, the three hundred kilometer triangles that guys are doing in the Alps are done from around there. So. Don't think that any spot nearby there is not so good. The Dolomitten Man, uh, we've mentioned and we've spoken of a couple of times. Uh, Daniel, have you done it before? Have you been in this crazy race before? No, never. Never. You know. Never. <laughs> you should, you know. You're only watching, drinking for the team, eh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, you have to train a lot, actually. You can do it for fun or you have to train a lot to, to be on a, on a good place. Uh, I was, we, we have like uh, our club, Dutch Heaven. Uh, we are doing the whole uh, flying thing, so I was always happy helping out. And uh, since uh, a couple of years, I will uh, I organize the show with speed flying and acrobatic uh, before the race. So I'm happy with that. And then it's possible to fly with a speed wing. Then yeah. I will uh, do it for the first time. <laughs> we have to we have Definitely. to make certification on, on the Mirage and the new Mirage. Then I will uh, try it. It definitely. Why not? It's a challenge yeah. for you, Daniel. Yeah, it's you a can make it. We'll see. We'll okay, see. cool. Nice. So the Dollar Mitten Man basically a four-man event. You can look it up on uh, it's a Red Bull event, of course. Uh, Dollar Mitty Man. Just type that in Google, and you'll find all about it. But it's a hundred plus teams, and four man per team. One is a mountain runner, one, uh, who hands over to the paraglider, who does some running, flying, running, and flying. So you basically do a run, a short flight, you land on the side of a slope, you run again, and you do a second uh, short flight, and you land in a football stadium, which is pretty tight. And there's some yeah. spectacular landing. So it's, your, uh, uh, it's every year in September, around the last weekend of September, something like that. Is that right? No. Middle of, uh, September. In, Middle of September. Middle of September. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah, then it hands over to a kayaker and a mountain biker finishes in the center of the end. Big, big party really nice uh, reason people come from far and wide people so many people come from north germany just for the event for the weekend because it's really a fat party and a really nice time to go there and generally usually a good time of year to fly around there and in the dolomite so yeah now daniel you have got something very interesting that you have started and that's gigaz so ggz our facebook page why the hell? How? And tell us, tell us about the start of that and, and, and what it became. How many, how many postings per day were finally on that uh, thing? You're, you're not involved with it anymore. You're more on the family now. Tell us uh, what's up. 
you know, years ago when the whole Facebook thing started, uh, when it came to, to Austria, like that, it was uh, mm-hmm. 2010, I had the idea, you know, uh, the whole community stuff uh, was like all the secondhand markets on the on on the internet, it been like uh, you put your wing on and hopefully someone will see it. And then that whole social media stuff was like more community and uh, it, there's nothing better to, to post something you like to sell or you search for something you want to buy, you know. And then I had the idea with the to do like kind of a group where you can buy, uh, uh, sell and search for, for secondhand wings. Uh, this I think this is now the the, the, the biggest group on, on Facebook. Well, what I know, we've now we have twenty two thousand members, group members, who are selling wings or who are searching for for wings and, and selling secondhand gear. So it's quite big. Twenty two thousand people, and I'm not even one of them. I I go and have a look every now and then when I'm after something, and I've told many many people about uh, your Facebook page. But 22,000, that's an enormous amount, Daniel. Did you ever imagine that you would have such a success with that uh, page? I mean, surely that's more than you expected you'd ever join. Yeah, you know, for Facebook sure. Page. can imagine, yes. But the idea is good. and We have a lot of uh, posts. and It's also a lot of work, actually. Many people are uh, texting me and, uh, you know, there are always uh, small fights or uh, dis- discussions, you know this guy uh, is selling something like this and it's not allowed or he's a commercial seller and he will sell it, you know. It's so, it's also, if it, the moderation of the whole group, it's, it's quite a lot of work actually for nothing. But still, it makes fun and it's helping a lot of people, I think. So, it's something good. It's, it's something so good. I mean, uh, I've just got a quick question about Facebook Marketplace. Has they uh, have they taken something out of that uh, GGZ? Uh, as it as it are people on Facebook Market post or uh, putting paragliders, or is it or have they found their place with you guys? No, actually, it's, it's the same. You know, if you you can uh, post it to to GGZ and then you can do all the other groups. Uh, after we we started GGZ, it became big and or huge, and uh, some other guys did then uh, for, for every country like gigit sets or secondhand markets so but this one is the biggest and you can choose on, on which um, markets or groups you can post and there's also the marketplace but I think it's most of the guys are posting on, on gigit because of the, of the size of the group you know you have to do it you reach a lot of people so I hope you will post this podcast on your GGZ or something like that. Something. Like that. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, listen, mate. Um, yeah. Um, obviously, I'm in South Africa. Uh, the other day, I posted a uh, an older uh, Mac Paraglider that I had, which uh, was an I think um, NV2, and I sent it to a guy in a small town called East London, um, just to give it as to him as a present because I wasn't using it. But his glider is like rice paper. Like his, his glider, you could push your finger and it really will go through the material. That's how old it was. In fact, it's an Epco Futura. And oh. this guy was still flying that thing. And uh, yes, yes, I promise you. Uh, I mean, just, I don't know. I don't know how many times he must have uh, uh, fixed the thing. But uh, now uh, he is uh, yeah, basically so happy. What do you give us tips as to somebody who's looking for new, new secondhand equipment? How old? Where, where does it start to become a bargain? I mean, you know the prices of things. Uh, give give some kind of 
somebody who doesn't have a lot of money from Russia or from, from South Africa or from wherever, um, yeah. yeah. The best is uh, to post, like, uh, just ask in GGZ or ask on Facebook. That's uh, the first thing I would do. The second thing, uh, I think, ask uh, schools, like, uh, you know, at Blue Sky or other schools, they always have some good second-hand gear to sell, and they are happy to, to like, super-used gear, like, as they told me, for, for people who can't afford something new or something better, then uh, the best is to, to ask at Facebook or, or even at, at the school, buying school in Austria or Switzerland or Germany. That's funny. I wouldn't have thought to uh, to put, uh, um, I'm looking for a paragliding kit. I didn't think it would be so successful, but it's strange that you give that as a top tip. That's cool. That's great. Eh? So that's, that's what's... You, you mean at Facebook? Yeah, on yeah. GGZ, for example, to put yeah. there, hi, I'm from South Africa, I'm looking for a glider, I've got about uh, four, five hundred or six hundred euros, um, and that works, does it? That's, that's a that good way works. to go. That works very good, yeah. Many people search for wing for dune soaring, you know, like a lot of comments down below. So everybody, you know, I have old wings and other, other guys have old wings. Uh, they are happy to sell it for a couple of bucks. Yeah, for sure. And then there's always a buyer on the lower end markets. I mean, people in India, um, I had uh, Sachit Sankrani on the line and he did a podcast with me in India. There's a lot of people where, you know, uh, whatever, four or five hundred euros is a lot of money in India. And uh, uh, honestly said, I mean, you live in a country where, and I've seen it before, you, you've got some guys who are coming from Munich and whatever down to your area. Man, they don't mind. They just give the credit card to Blue Sky and thank you very much. It's four or five thousand euros that they spend there. And then. I mean, you've seen it. It's fantastic. And Guys like me who are really happy to buy a second-hand glider. I was chatting to Russell Achterberger saying, wow, oh, this is the first glider where I could choose my own colors. And I'm like, that's like so unimportant for me, but it's important for somebody else. You know, somebody, I, I break everything. Yeah, I break everything I have. I'm like, uh, my girlfriend reckons I should be a test pilot for anything that cannot break. You know, give me that. Two weeks, uh, two weeks. Uh, it's broken. You know? <laughs> These American sunglasses. So... You know, I buy a second hand and I use it and then I sell it or I give it at the end. It's much better for me. That's my style. Um, any other tips about uh, how much would a how much would a two or three generation old um, B glider cost uh, somebody today? I mean, on, on, on GGZ. Uh, three generation old. Uh, that's quite old, actually. So I think it's not, uh, you know, right now everybody uh, is owning, like in my place, everybody is owning at least two gliders or three gliders. And as Every two years, there's a new generation, and not even every two years. That's the reason why uh, the second-hand market is that big in, in, in paragliding. So I think you can have uh, uh, one generation old wing uh, for, for 2,000 or between 1,000 and 2,000 euros. Uh, three generation it goes below 1,000 normally. So the, the price for, for th yeah. second-hand is quite low. So not good for the brands, but it's good for all the client for, for all the Berlgader pilots, you know. Yeah, any pilots who, who are happy to buy a second-hand wing like me, you know, um, I fly competitions for fun, and I also like another fun glider, like uh, recently I bought uh, 600 euros for um, a Mentor 3 light, um, yeah. and it's great. I go up Table Mountain with it uh, in the cable car, it's small, it's light, I've got a Skywalk light harness with it, which is also so rotten, I mean, if I push the board harder, I would, uh, my feet would go through the bottom, you know, it's like mm. a, a rubbish sort of thing, but hey, it's pliable for Table Mountain and a bit of soaring and going to land in the city somewhere. 
So I've got all the different style of the light glider. And, you know, um, Daniel Tivkas was telling me he has three equipments, the speed riding. And I'm sure you've got several. You've got, when you go to the Mulltaler Gletscher, how many gliders do you take with you? Actually, most of the time I take, when I meet people there and they want to try their wings, then I have more wings, like all sizes. But when I go for myself, I always take my seven, the eight and the nine with me. So three, two or three gliders sizes, actually. And sometimes when there's good snow, I take wow. the, speed, uh, the, the Spitfire, it's our speed rider, and I take uh, the Mirage for speed flying. So sometimes we have like good snow and good wind, but not enough. So then I go for speed riding and then the wind is uh, getting stronger. I take my Mirage, the small one, and that's the perfect wind for soaring actually and for kiting. So it's different. It's like, like a good kite. Even the way you yeah. I, you're a good uh, kiteboarder, so I saw you, and it's like kiteboarding, you know, and kiteboarding you always have, normally you have uh, one, two or three kites with you, and the same is in speed riding or speed flying, if you have the possibility. Yeah, I mean, I, I would really, really like to come and try some uh, kiting in the snow. It must be even just on ice, even with some ice skates on and a tiny little kite in the slightest breeze. It, it, I would like to experience that. That's kind of like no resistance feeling, you know, of being pulled along with a kite. I only kite in the sea. I've kited for whatever, 18 years. And uh, I go huge. Like I throw it as high as I can. You've seen me, I think, or whatever. Maybe I've sent you a video, but like 20 meter jumps. Uh, I'm not 34 meters like the world record in kiting and uh, land 100 or 120 meters away. Like some guys will reach even 200 meters on a big jump, like if they're really going for a big distance. But so I go for enormous jumps, but that's on water and only on water. I would really like to try the snow. What's it like? You know, with a speed wing, it's, it's, I think it's a big difference to, to kiteboarding. You have a, a super small wing and short, super short lines. And you have skis. So you can kite, you can fly, and you can ski. And that's actually perfect. That's, uh, the, 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 I think there's a great freedom you have to do. You, know, you don't have to think. You can kite, and then you, you want to fly. You start flying and soaring, and you open your dream, and you go down again and do speed riding, you know. So you have a bunch of, of sports, what, what you can do. It's uh, like, uh, actually, it's like skiing 3D in uh, three dimensions. Yeah, no borders anymore. You can just do what you want, you know. Yeah. And that's, at the Meltala, that's a perfect yeah. example for that. You have the perfect ridge, uh, the ridge line. Uh, it's on 3,000 meters, so alpine. And you can saw the whole ridge exactly on the Alpine Hauptkamm on the left side. The left side is yeah. the Northern Alps, and the and the right side you see exactly the Northern Alps. You know, something, something such a beautiful. Uh, and then you let let go the the, the 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 brakes, and you go down and start skiing in good snow. And that's something. Yeah, you get addicted. You will see. If you know how to do it, and you have some you have some training, then you will get addicted. Like, sounds completely amazing. I mean. You know, when the first speed riding started with whatever you say in the mid-2000s, mid, uh, uh, people were uh, thinking of that as James Bond shit, you know, like uh, out of this world crazy stuff. But then today the gliders are developed and, of course, it doesn't matter what anybody says, Swing has got a very, very good product. And I think that you can also, uh, Swing can say thank you to, to you, Daniel Buffler, for for having at least put a little bit of input because you are a very technical guy where it comes to like, ah, that's that's not so good, and you're not trying to say it, you know. <laughs> so first you're an Austrian, so 
you're, you're you know mountain goat. You speak it, uh, uh, great. <laughs> you you wanna have to have to the the progress. You know, uh, if you do a lot of speed flying or speech writing, you wanna go further and further, and it just depends on uh, on your skills for sure. Something super important, but also on your gear that you have. Uh, I think there's still a, a, a big potential in, in speed flying, and that's something we want to do. That's you know, just an example. Imagine you have a spiral guider with the possibility of a hang guider that you can do. You have a very bad guiding, but you can have a very good guiding, you know, or you can have a, a competition wing with a huge uh, travel way in, in trims. Where you can go if you do when you are high you can go fast like a sailplane a glider you know or a hang glider can do it just go fast down to your goal or you just glide very good guiding and that's i think that's the point where we do uh, that's our idea to to make new wings with that uh, window of of steep and gliding you have to go bigger and bigger it should have become bigger and bigger then it makes fun uh, it's very, very exciting what you're saying, and it's a super sexy talk for me because, uh, of course, I'm uh, paragliding for 23 years. You've also been doing this forever. We are always looking for the next best thing. Every one of us wants a, 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 ma a major revolution to go on. Do you know Lino Earl? He's a friend of mine who came to work for me uh, for five years, a tandem pilot who went endorsing in the yeah. World Acro uh, Competition World Champion with... Uh, Marvin Ogger, yeah. So Lino is developing something between a paraglider and a hang glider. And if I'm not mistaken, even the German government has uh, gotten a little bit involved with some help. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to tell Lino's story. He must tell himself. But he's trying to make a crossover kind of flying machine. Uh, what the hell is there to stop that? You know, we are lying in it. We Our arms will do one thing up and down. Um, maybe the legs are open, closed or up and down. Uh, what's stopping us? Um, I think we might be... What, what do you say to that, Daniel? It's a super good idea, actually. The, the, the normal paraglider, uh, it can be, you know, it's like with, with glider planes. A glider plane, the high competition glider planes are super good in gliding, but they are just made for gliding. But I want to have a, a wing where I can go down and I can, I have a very good glide and I can go down whenever I want without like spirals or wing overs and stuff. And that's actually with, for example, the Mirage. If I go down the slope and want to copy the grunt, then it's so nice to open the trims and you can just stay 10 centimeters above the ground all the time, you know. And that's something super special. It's like in, in as a child, you most of the time you have to have the, this, this dream of flying. It's not like gliding somewhere. You go close to the ground somewhere between uh, the rocks and in the in the woods, you know. And that's exactly what, what we can do now with like speed wings, with the new speed wings. That's proximity flying, we call it. Um, I mean, I wanted to ask you a little earlier when you were talking about the glides and when you were talking about the difference between speed flyers and speed riding and all of that. And can you get, if you just take your hands off and you're at your best glide, like a, about a six or a seven or more than that? No, not even. With a 9.5, I think we get five. But that's enough. Then you open your... That's let it go, then you have a 1, 1.5 something with high speed, so it goes down steep. Wow. So you are actually flying that thing by controlling your trimmers a lot. It's trimmer on, trimmer off, open up, close. Uh, do you have to open them? Can you open them up suddenly and just let them open? Uh, is that okay, yeah. going from a glider 5 to 1? 
if you open the drums up fully, then you control your wing not uh, with the toggles, you control it with the C rises. Okay. Like like a, a uh, then you can get super steep. Actually, uh, if you go, if like a, a, the mountain is quite flat, then you close your trimmers before takeoff. If you know you go steep, then you can uh, open it like halfway, or you can open it also in in, in flight. So it's, it's not not a big problem. You can adjust your, your guide with the, with the sea risers also. So, and that's the idea to bring. Uh, we always thinking about new concepts to to uh, also control the glide without rims, you know, that would be something super nice where you control the guide with doggers or with sea risers, the, 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 the whole guide operation, that, that would be nice. It's always difficult if you go like, you know, Kola, like uh, very uh, steep and close to the ground, it's difficult to let uh, the doggers uh, trim your wing, you know, that can be very dangerous. I can imagine, my mate. I mean, you are swooping past the ground at 100 plus k's an hour quite easily because if you open your trimmers, you're doing 70 or 80. So a little swoop and a bit of G's with that. G's, short of swearing, I think you're going pretty bloody fast and crazy. A seven square meter glider, I, I, had never, I didn't even know there was such a small thing, Daniel. And for you, it's like you're telling me you go to the Mildala Gletscher with three gliders, seven, eight, and nine. I'm like, what? What's with 7, 10, and 14? Uh, 14 is too bloody boring for you, is it right? Yeah, you know, it's it's like with a kite. It's not boring. It's just different, you know. If you have a very flat mountain or a flat line, then a 7 is, is boring, you know. It's not working at all. So you have to have a bigger one. So it's more. It's not, not about boring or more fun. It, for sure, a small wing is fun when you have the right place to fly. But sometimes a bigger wing, like for hiking fly, it's better to have a bigger wing because of takeoff. So then you're more flexible in take to search to find the, the right takeoff. Uh, with a seven, if you go hike and fly on an area you don't know, don't know with a seven, it can be uh, you know it can be very dangerous and uh, that's no fun at all. Always to think about uh, hopefully I will find something where I can take off, launch the wing. You know, and if you have an eleven or a thirteen, whatever, then you can enjoy your hike and, and take off somewhere. You're you have more possibility to take off and not always have to think about find something. Yeah. I mean, um, some questions come to mind and one of them is like, uh, obviously it's very difficult to say how safe is speed riding today. Um, but the question would be like, how often are accidents happening from people who are not complete idiots and taking unnecessary risk? Of course, our sport, uh, Daniel, uh, and we all agree it's about risk first reward old prototype two-liner, you could have pushed the bar as hard as you want and there was actually no limit. And then when you get a collapse, uh, goodbye, good night, you know. So if if you go with a guy with a seven square meter glider and it's, he's, he's, he's quite a good speed rider, you tell him, hey, listen, you be careful of that edge and you be careful of this and about halfway down there's this and, you know, so he's got an idea. But uh, if people just take such a I mean, in general, flying, is it quite safe? Has it become much safer? Um, there's obviously much more control and much more in the gliders. Today. Uh, and speed flying, you know, especially speed flying is, it's, it, if you like to do the proximity flying or in Alpine, in rocky in rocky lines, then it's dangerous. It's like free climbing, you know. You don't have a second chance at all. Most of the pilots, good pilots, don't carry a, a reserve with them. Just if you go close, a uh, reserve is, uh, makes no sense. Uh, if you do something wrong, normally it's done, you know. On a competition wing, it's also 
big risk sometimes, but you have a reserve, you know, yeah, there's a bigger chance to survive uh, the, the accident. In speed flying, it's dif different. So it all depends on the pilot. When the pilot know how to, uh, which skill he have and, and can use it and have the right training, he can choose the line he fly he's flying. But uh, many new pilots, they just uh, want to do the same thing they see on YouTube. You know? uh, it's not like that. It's easy. A speed wing is super easy to launch. You, know? you can launch, you can launch nearly, you just run, you know, on a, on a, on a slope, you can run and run and then you will fly, you know, it's not that difficult. With uh, two meter lines, the wing is up and you just run and then you will fly. But if you are flying, you, you have to fly, you know, and you go fast. So you have to know what, what to do. And in the beginning, it's quite easy, yeah, yeah. easier than a, a normal paraglider. But then, if you progress, it's getting more dangerous and more, or more difficult, and then also more more dangerous. Uh, if you do, if you want to fly it in a couloir, in a small one, and you go fast, and yeah, there yeah. no exit, or you don't know the line, and then you can imagine you can just stop with 60 k's on normal speed, with 60 k's around 60 k's. You can't say I do like uh, a landing, a dry landing. It can't be. That's the, that's the reason why we have that many accidents. So you have to know what you do. The, the worst is some people just start, uh, some kiters say, okay, speed flying is nearly the same. I start speed riding or speed flying or skydivers, you know. They don't have a lot of skydivers. They don't have any idea of, of weather in the Alps or in mountains, you know, Louvre and Lee and that stuff. And also, they don't know how to launch a wing. They jump out of a plane, but it's a big difference to launch on, on an alpine site, you know, take off. I think that's one of the reasons why we have that many accidents. Or, you know, just a few pilots do that, and uh, there are quite a lot of accidents because of that. I, I don't know if I'm mistaken. Uh, maybe you can give me your opinion. But I have the feeling that skydivers kind of think they know it all where it comes to paragliders and 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 speed riding and speed gliding. I, uh, I have the feeling that they think they can skydive, so they they don't realize that when they're going to take this new sport on, they they think they know about the speed and that it's just involving landing. But it's actually between the takeoff and the landing. There's something called the launch. And then on the way down, uh, there are also obstacles which they don't uh, encounter. They've just got blue sky on the way down. What do you say to that, uh, Daniel? Um, do you find a lot of the accidents are coming from ex-skydivers? And... Yeah, for sure. The normal skydiver is flying a much bigger wing, you know, than we have like kind of performance wings. Like a small speed wing is a, is a performance wing. And most of the skydivers, the normal skydivers, don't fly performance, performance wings and so they don't know how to fly it. The next thing is, uh, it's different if you jump out of a plane and there's no mountains and nothing and you go for a, a normal nice swoop. It's different to like fly down uh, in a, on a mountain. As you said, obstacles and rocks and stuff and you have loof and lee and you don't know how the weather is. You know you know the north, no, north fern in Lienz. If you don't know that, you, you get... Uh, you can go in serious troubles, you know. That's something they don't absolutely, most of them have don't have any idea. Then they come with a couple of friends, then it's group dynamic, you know, and then it's all easy and we don't need a, a reserve and stuff. You know, you know that all that kind of stories. You know, if you see something on YouTube, you never know uh, how these guys, the good guys, the, the professionals, uh, there's a lot of training and knowledge and 
they have a whole way of learning and progress uh, behind them. And you just see the run, you know, and you say, okay, that's something cool. I, I want to do it, you know, but it's not that easy. Uh, especially in speed. No, fight. it's definitely not that easy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, definitely. Yeah. Look, uh, I mean, I admire you since uh, since the, every single time I see you just coming in there or taking off with that thing. I just think like, geez, you just lay out your glider, you stand there and uh, there's no like uh, second chances, dude. You're just running and it's like that thing's going to fly. And I'm like, yes, before I try something like that, uh, I'd like take a few steps and chicken out. I mean, I'm on a paraglider, you know, so. Um, uh, yeah, these are very, very interesting points to hear, and especially about the skydivers and about the accidents. I know it's not a fun theme to talk about, but it is a real theme, and it's something that we actually have to think about. It's not a stupid theme, you know. Um, it's a real serious thing. So, yeah, yeah I, talk well, the normal, I have to tell you. I talk about the yeah, normal yeah. skydivers. There are many good skydivers out there, you know, but it de depends. It's also a kind of a mindset, you know. The, your brain and your balls should be in a, in a good, uh, also, yin and yang. If you have two, two big balls, then balance. Yeah, the balance, the balance is uh, the right word. It's all about the balance. It's also yeah, the same paragliding. Balance up in the head, in the heart, and definitely yeah, it's got to be <laughs> careful by the lion. Leave the lion sleep tonight and uh, listen to me, my friend. What is your favorite music? We always like to hear it from our uh, fantastic people. So, what do you like to listen to? What's what? What do you? What do you drive to? What do you drive to the um, flying site with? What do you listen to while you're flying? What do you? All kinds of music, actually. But there's always, when, when you've got some uh, chilly uh, kind of a house, whatever, it's, it's nice, good DJs. Repub is something nice to hear. I don't know. But I'm nothing specific, specific yeah. actually. It's been really interesting. I mean, I, I've learned so much uh, in the last hour. It's been really sensational. And I hope it's been cool for you to learn to have a good time. Remember, look up Daniel Kerfler. Can they find you some way? Just tell people how they can reach you. How can people find you? Uh, um, over my uh, gadget minus dunhamflug.com. That's my uh, Dunham site. Uh, GigaZ, whatever. Dutch Heaven for sure. Uh, years ago, I had a good site. It was dermic.net, but it's gone more, more than that's gone yeah, since social media. But when something, when somebody like to reach me, mail at danielkofler.com. It's uh, send me an email. That's the easiest way. If you type Daniel Paragliding or tender, Dan, Daniel Tandem Lienz, you will find the one and only Daniel. Thank you, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs>